You're about to watch a great interview on TYT interviews. If you wanna watch them live, members are the only ones who get to do that. TYTnetwork.com slash join, become a member, enjoy the interviews as they happen. Good morning, I'm Wes Clark Jr. Welcome to TYT interviews. This morning, my guest will be Mike Levin, who's gonna be running against Daryl Issa from Orange County for Congress in 2018. Good morning, how Good morning, are you? Wes, it's great to be on, thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So you gave me a call last week, you're like, oh, dude, love you on TYT, I wanna come in and I'm <laughs> running against Daryl Issa. I'm like, well, we gotta get this guy on because it's Orange County and Daryl Issa is kind of a- I saw an article from 2003 in the Los Angeles Times. Daryl Issa once ran for governor of California. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. He actually helped fund the recall against Gray Davis. And then there was this guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who jumped into the race. Yep. But one of the things that came up when Issa was running for governor is you know his military record, and there were some uh, questions about uh, the you know effic efficacy of his service. You know what, what kind of uh, uh, you know person he was during his service, and the evaluations that he received. And he said, if you want proof that I was a you know just great and that I had this exemplary record, just ask my commanding officer, Wes Clark. Mm -hmm. So that led me to you know speaking with your dad, and then ultimately uh, with you. Really an honor to be here and. You know, the district is really interesting. Uh, it's both Orange County and North County, San Diego. Uh, and it's uh, actually more San Diego County than it is Orange County. Uh, I used to run the Democratic Party of Orange County a uh, long time ago, about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm very familiar uh, with that area, but I've also served on uh, environmental nonprofit boards and have been uh, you know, involved in San Diego County as well. My wife lived in San Diego for about eight years. So it's one of these crazy districts that's kind of been gerrymandered, but you know we have the Citizens Redistricting Commission in California, uh, but you still have this kind of you know long stretch of maybe 40 miles north to south, uh, where you've got all of South Orange County, which historically has been pretty conservative, and then you've got North San Diego County, which also historically has been pretty conservative, but you've got a member in Dear Elisa who is so out of touch, and who really you know his his whole career was based on attacking. Democrats, uh, whether it's President Obama calling him the most corrupt Democrat in history, most corrupt president in history, uh, or yeah, others. I'd yeah. like to hear him say that now. Well, that's the amazing thing, Wes, is that when Barack Obama was president, ISA made his name as chair of the House Oversight Committee uh, attacking Obama on everything, uh, ginning up all these ridiculous investigations, whether uh, it was the Fast and Furious or the IRS or Benghazi, literally wasted tens of millions of our taxpayer dollars and for a guy that's supposedly concerned with you know, fiscal responsibility and conservatism, he wasted tens of millions of our dollars on these investigations that led to nothing other than self-aggrandizement for yeah, Daryl Issa. How many people from the Obama administration were charged with crimes again? <laughs> I mean, because you know, if you go back and you look at like the Reagan administration, yeah, yeah. they had like I think 137 officials that were like charged with crimes. What's amazing is now you've got uh, Daryl Issa, who is this full-blown Trump apologist, and and he's had to figure out, okay, my my party is now in power. What do I do now? And he was such a one-trick pony where he doesn't have anybody to attack anymore. So now he's just a full-blown Trump apologist where he literally supports him on everything. And all of the things that he would have gone nuts about had there been a Democrat in office, he is silent about. As an example, what happened with Devin Nunes, where Devin Nunes went and laundered evidence with the, the mm -hmm. White House, or allegedly. Uh, you know, can you imagine what would have happened had a, a Democrat done that? With what we'd be hearing about it exactly, daily. Exactly, it would have right. its own specific storyline and date and graphics on Fox News. Exactly, and and you know, Congressman Issa went after the Obama administration for lack of transparency, and yet when 
Donald Trump took down the travel logs, he says nothing. In fact, this entire Russia scandal, uh, Daryl Issa has been a massive hypocrite. So he went on Bill Maher, did an interview kind of like this, where he, Bill Maher pressed him and said, well, what about a special prosecutor? And Issa admitted that Jeff Sessions needed to recuse himself because of his involvement in the campaign. And he also said that uh, you needed a special prosecutor because Sessions was incapable of a, an independent investigation because of his involvement. Then about three days later, he backtracked and he said, well, I only meant if there was a crime that had been committed. And since there was no crime, then you really don't need a special prosecutor. And oh, by the way, let's go ahead and let our friends Devin Nunes and Richard Burr, both of whom were involved in the Trump campaign, let's let them run the independent investigation. So as far as I'm concerned, you can't have anybody that was involved with the campaign run an independent investigation. It's why I agree with Congressman Adam Schiff that you either need an independent commission or a special prosecutor, a combination thereof. And we cannot stop until we get to the bottom of this. And there is no way, we know that Devin Nunes wasn't going to get to the bottom yeah. of it. I don't think there's any way that Richard Burr is going to get to the bottom of it because of his involvement with the campaign. And Conaway, Representative Conaway from Texas, the new guy that they have you know, running House Intelligence, well, there's pictures of him with a Make America Great Again hat. So tell me, Wes, how's he supposed to be independent? At the end of the day, we need somebody that wasn't involved in the campaign, that isn't just a partisan hack, running the investigation, and it needs to be independent, and it needs to be impartial. And certainly, Daryl Issa himself is incapable of doing that, as we all know. Well, uh, so, Were you surprised in any way by the hypocrisy? Um, you know, the audacity of the hypocrisy, I think, is what gets me. So on a daily basis... Uh, to hear a guy whose whole career, yeah, you know, he wrote a book, Daryl Issa wrote a book called Watchdog, right? Mm -hmm. And it was all about, uh, I'm gonna be the guy to sort out the waste, fraud, and abuse in government. We're gonna get to the bottom of what's happening in our government. So if you built your entire career on that set of principles, and when it's so blatantly obvious that you put party over country, when you have somebody like Donald Trump, who is the least qualified, most erratic, most dangerous president in our history, and we're just getting started. We're we're not even 100 days in, and look at the damage that he's already yeah. done. And when you can't even call him out, you know, because I like to think there are some Republicans that actually do see things objectively and actually do want what's best for our country. Uh, you know, I know that that's the case. I do too. Just, I, we I don't have one representing us. That's all. And it, people can see through it, Wes. <clears throat> I think I think people can see through it to a certain extent. But I mean, even when we go back to the whole. You know, the biggest Republican talking point is always that they're so strong on defense yeah. and they're so strong on the budget. And yet, every time there's a Republican president, the budget deficit shoots up and we wind up becoming actually more unsafe. Right, right. And, and you know, I feel like with, with Trump, um, you know, the, the background in his businesses where he used bankruptcy laws to his benefit, you can't do that with the country, right? So at some point, fiscal, fiscal sanity is going to have to prevail here, regardless of uh, which party is in power. And you can't do everything. You can't have massive infrastructure, massive military increase, and massive tax cut all at once, or you're going to bankrupt our country. Simple as that. And it shouldn't be a partisan thing, right? You, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't do everything all at once and expect there not to be long-term repercussions for that. And uh, the, the feeling that he's going to magically create uh, new jobs in, in industries that, you know, are on the way out like coal, you know, and look, uh, coal served its place in our country for many decades as a, as a source of uh, energy. But, you know, my background is as a clean energy advocate and an environmental attorney. And I know that when you look at the growth of things like solar and wind and biofuels and 
battery storage and energy efficiency, all these new things. And you, you take all of the programs, all the policies, all the basic research and development away from those uh, energy jobs of the future, and you instead emphasize we're just going to double down on coal. You can call it clean coal or whatever the heck mm -hmm. you want, but just the numbers aren't there. The, the growth in clean technology, clean energy, uh, you know, far outweighs what, whatever you're going to be able to do in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years with coal. And the same is true, I think, for nuclear and for other uh, sources of energy that uh, Trump seems to want. Uh, the problem that we have in California is now we're so out in, in front on a lot of these clean energy technologies, but now the federal government is not providing any sort of uh, supplementary uh, support. Now it's going to have to be California going it on its own. And that's okay. Uh, you know, the, the irony is that uh, a lot of folks would say, well, you know, California is overregulated, overtaxed, uh, and, you know, uh, should, should just uh, get back to helping businesses. But if you actually look at what we've done in California, we've been able to grow things like clean energy mm -hmm. jobs at an extremely fast pace, uh, well uh, having a clean environment, right? You know, well, well promoting policies that actually uh, uh, make the air and the water and the beaches cleaner. Uh, so you don't, it's not a mutually exclusive option. We just had Earth Day, mm -hmm. and you know Trump made it sound he was, he was tweeting, you know, at all hours like he tends to do, uh, about how you needed job creation, and therefore it's almost like you have to sacrifice a clean environment for job creation. And the evidence bears exactly the opposite. You know, if we invest in clean energy technologies, it actually is going to create jobs. At the end of the day, it's going to be a net positive, and that's particularly true for a district like. Our district, like well, my district. San Diego's actually taken enormous steps compared to other cities in California to try and transition to 100% renewable. It totally has, Wes, and it's completely in spite of Daryl Issa, not because of Daryl Issa. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the day I announced our candidacy, March the 8th, it was uh, really a crazy day because that very day, Daryl Issa also made an announcement that for the first time in seven years, he was going to do a town hall meeting, a real town hall meeting, not like a fake one. And you know, seven years. Set, he hadn't had one. one. He hadn't had one in seven years. In fact, the, the last town hall meeting he'd had prior was uh, when Obamacare or the ACA was just starting, and a lot of people didn't like it. So he had a very friendly audience, you know, mm -hmm. of uh, fellow uh, Republicans that didn't like the ACA. That was 2009. That was his last town hall. So the day we announce, he announces that he's having his first town hall meeting. Miraculously, I was able to get a ticket to the town hall. So we went online and I just filled out my information and got a ticket. Then even more miraculously, we showed up and when we got there, his district director saw me in line, came out and said, hey, this isn't a political event. You know, you're not here to campaign. I said, look, I don't have any signs. I don't have any literature. It's just me. And you know, my intern, it was his first day. And so we were, you know, hardly threatening. And I said, look, we're not here to campaign, but if I have an opportunity to ask you a question, or ask, ask the congressman a question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because I'm a concerned constituent. Moreover, uh, you know, I'm not here to, to be disrespectful. We'll do mm -hmm. so in a respectful way. So what happened next is you get inside to the town hall, about 500 people there, and everybody got a raffle ticket. Everybody got a lottery ticket. And they decided who would ask questions on the basis of who got called. So he's going through his answers, and, and he did a lousy job, Wes, I mean, just candidly. And your audience can go take a look and see just how pathetic his answers were on any you know, number of issues. Mm -hmm. uh, he was asked about uh, the Republican health care scam. 
that you know Trump care, and he said, well, you know, good quality health care really is a lifestyle choice. I mean, he really said that. We have him on tape saying that's, that. That's unbelievable. I mean, it's, look, it's, it's phenomenal. Let's get to yeah. the bare bones stuff for our audience first. Yes, single payer, absolutely, excellent, absolutely. Um, Rapid transition off off uh, hydrocarbons. So Absolutely, like we have literally a ten year window to go down to zero. I think that's probably right. What we're doing in California probably needs to to be done in the rest of the country, which is one hundred percent renewable energy in the next 15, 20 years. That's that's where we have Absolutely. to. Get. I mean, so now, you look at this stuff and you think, you know, for, for me, the fear is that Trump and and ISA and the rest of their allies they're damaging our future economy the same way. You know, when Reagan came in in 1980, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, people look to Europe and they say, oh, Europe's the home of renewable energy. Yeah. Dude, it was California. Right. It started in the 70s well, under Carter, and then Reagan came in and he goes, nah, we don't need that. So now we all have to go to European companies for the best wind turbines, for the best like solar systems, look, for the best renewables. We're either going to lead on this or we're not, okay? And, and where I was going with this whole town hall thing is I brought a book. And the book is called Climate Change for Beginners. And it's 150 pages. It's illustrated. And I had sent it to him over the holiday season with a letter saying, for 16 years, you've denied the fundamental scientific consensus on climate. Please read this book. And oh, by the way, please give it to Scott Pruitt and Donald Trump and Rick Perry to read as well. So I did get my number called. Okay, we were the very last question. So they call on me. And I stood up. And immediately, he tried to shoot me down. Said finally, he said, "Ask your question, young man. So, why is it for 16 years you've denied the fundamental scientific consensus on climate, and why do you blindly support Donald Trump's agenda to gut the EPA and to gut basic science?" And the crowd really liked it. Daryl Issa, not so much. There was a long pause, and then Issa's answer was, frankly, Wes, it was pitiful. So he said, first of all, that he was a conservationist because he was a, a camp counselor during Earth Day that made him a conservationist. Even though his Could lifetime voting record from the League of Conservation Voters is four, four out of 100. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to find the four, you know, where he got his four. Then he proceeded to say that we needed to keep uh, the nuclear plants open longer, which is interesting because we have a, a decommissioned nuclear plant called San Onofre in our mm -hmm. district where it's a horrible waste issue. He has a pathetic plan on that as well. And then uh, he proceeded to say that we need more natural gas plants, which is quite remarkable because they're building a new natural gas plant despite tremendous community opposition locally there in Carlsbad, in North County, San oh, Diego. So, you know, th this is a plant that's going to cost $2 billion of our ratepayer money, already some of the highest electricity rates, San Diego Gas and Electric. And it's hardly even going to run, perhaps, because it's not needed the way they thought it was originally needed. Because now we've got energy efficiency, we've got storage, uh, we've got a tremendous amount of renewables uh, coming on the grid. Uh, and all that works in concert to mean you don't need these big natural gas and fossil fuel plants anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are going to do in California. We're going to show with innovation, with a little bit of creativity, that you don't need the status quo. Uh, we drove here in a hydrogen fuel cell electric car. There are now hydrogen stations. There are about 30 of them all throughout California. Right by my house. I saw it the other day, and I was like, there you who's go. driving a hydrogen car? So the beauty of that is it's an electric vehicle, just like a battery electric vehicle, like a, like a you know, uh, uh, Chevy Bolt or Nissan Leaf or mm -hmm. Tesla. Uh, the benefit is that it only takes a few minutes to refill, just like you go to a regular old gas station, you, you know, fill it up in a few minutes. That's basically the benefit of the hydrogen car. It just takes a few minutes. It's compressed gas hydrogen. And you get about 350 miles of range. So oh, it's, wow. it's not for everybody, but in, in an area where 
you've got that infrastructure, like you need to drive one, man. No, you I've need, got, you need to get get you one of I'm these. I'm driving like a leased Hyundai. But <laughs> I've got to figure out how to pay for the quarter panels to be fixed because a bus hit me. Well, you live in LA, <laughs> like a couple so anything can ago. happen, man. You know that's how it goes. But no, I'd I'd love to get one of those. We're gonna hook you up. We're gonna set it up. Nice. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. My question is, when you're looking at your opponent, and, and obviously you agree with a lot of what our, our you know, viewers agree with in terms of single payer and, and protecting the environment, why do you think a guy who's worth $750 million can't just tell the truth? Well, what, what do you, when you have, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is when you have that much money, what do you have to lose by being honest? I think that's right. You know, what I look at, it's so sad because here's a guy who has all this money, but he's afraid. He's afraid of the people in his district. And what he's afraid of is that he knows he's out of sync. Okay, so, so his whole MO, again, has been going after Democrats. And now that his party, even though it's Donald Trump, right, who's a little erratic and it, well, a lot a erratic. A little, I mean. A lot erratic. But, but very, even, that's a very he, diplomatic thing to he, say. Even ISO would admit that, I think. Uh, but he is unwilling to, to uh, do anything but support Trump on any issue because he, he really doesn't know uh, how to be independent of uh, the party ideology. He's so drank the Kool-Aid so long ago. And he claims now he's walking a more moderate path. But if you take a look at how he's actually voted in the 115th Congress since Trump has been there, on every single bill, he's voted with Trump. There's this great thing on 538 where they do a breakdown called the Trump score. So mm -hmm. a 100 Trump score means that you have supported Donald Trump's position on every single issue. And he has a 100 Trump score, even on things like internet privacy, you know, the, the bad vote where they voted mm -hmm. to basically sell our browsing history yeah. to the highest bidder, or uh, the stream protection rule or the, the rule where a oil company can uh, basically, uh, you know, funnel money overseas without having to worry about the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, uh, or the the Obamacare uh, repeal, uh, and then the Affordable or the su supposedly uh, American Health Care Act (AHCA). Mm -hmm. He was going to vote for that, right? The Tuesday before the vote, when they pulled it off the floor, ISA told CNN and others that he was going to vote for that bill. So he literally does not know how to say anything except, yes, please, Donald Trump, may I please have another. That's all he knows how to do. And what's so apparent is every week, you know, right now, actually, right now, Tuesday morning, there's a group probably of three or four or 500 people out in front of his Vista office right now, every Tuesday, every week. There's another group of, it's a smaller group out in front of his Dana Point office in mm -hmm. Orange County, even though it's locked. The office is locked. In fact, my understanding is they, they have shut the mail chute closed, so you can't even drop them a letter. <laughs> this is not a man who wants to talk to his constituents. He was here in the district, right? They had a two-week recess mm -hmm. very recently. And he had the audacity during that recess to do a telephone town hall, okay? So he said, I want to hear your concerns. I'm going to do a telephone town hall. So he's literally in the district, and he's hiding. He's hiding in his mansion. He's hiding in his district office. I don't know where he's hiding, but he wouldn't come out and speak to people. So what's the point of representing hundreds of thousands of people with diverse uh, points of view if, you, if you're not actually willing to come out and meet with people? I called him on it. I call him on, I've, I've been trolling uh, Congressman Issa on social media just mm -hmm. a little bit. That's all right. We all, we all troll once in a while. It, exactly. And so the following morning, 
uh, I said, you know, how, how could you do this telephone town hall while you're, while you're in the district? And so there was a group of constituents. He calls them protesters, by the way. They're not. They're constituents. These are mm-hmm. people from the district. Many are, you know, longtime district residents. They're well educated. A lot of them are pretty affluent in their own Dude, right. Because no one's going to brave that traffic. Well, to get there down you go. There, there you Tuesday go. Morning. So you know, he came out for 15 minutes and he spoke to what he he said. I spoke to some protesters. No, you didn't. You went down. You did what you're supposed to do. You talked to some constituents, but you only did it for 15 minutes. Maybe you should have done it. For you know the last 16 years, maybe you've been there too long. Time to go. Well, let's see. What did you do in those 16 years? Now, he went into office worth about a hundred million dollars. Correct. 100, 150. 150. Yeah. And what's he worth now? About 750. So in what 15 years of government service? Yeah. His he's increased his amount of money by seven times. Well, while being a government <laughs> representative, I mean, just so just so I understand this. Yeah, I mean, my understanding, you know, we actually asked him about it. A gentleman asked him about it at his town hall meeting, that one and only town hall meeting that said, you know, how how do you do that? And he claimed that all of his assets are in a blind trust or in mutual funds anyway. And I want that mutual fund advisor. Dude, I, I want somebody that can get totally that want kind that of mutual return. fund advisor. Um, but when he started out, you know, he made uh, a good amount of money on the Viper car alarm, and you know, he was the voice that said "step away from the car." Oh, he was the actual he, voice. He was the actual voice of "step away from the car." So nationwide, yeah, there are yeah. millions of people who have lost millions of hours of sleep because of that <laughs> car alarm. That, by the way, never stopped anyone from right. smashing your windows and taking your stereo out. Well, I, I would encourage all of your uh, viewers to you know, go and, and look at his record uh, in terms of his early business record and, and some of the things that happened there. There was a couple interesting stories in The New Yorker and The New York Times. I don't need to get into all the details of that, but you know, people need to see what, what he really is all about. And you know, my, my main emphasis is going to be on what has he done since he's been in office? What has mm-hmm. he really uh, delivered for the district and where his priorities today. And this is a guy that, you know, stands as an example. We talked about the environment. He wants offshore drilling off the California coast. Really? Today, he wants offshore drilling off the California coast. This is a guy that says Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Okay. He, I mean, he cannot be trusted uh, with my kids' future. Uh, I have two kids of four old, and a half. How old are your kids? So four and a half and three. Okay. And I have an amazing. You're in the thick of it. I'm in the thick You're of it, man. I'm in the thick of it. Don't worry. They they stop being assholes by the time they're <laughs> like five. So. No, my kids are great. My kids are great. Uh, you know, it's been really a neat experience, uh, and it's really about them at the end of the day. And I think a lot about them as I'm out there campaigning. I also think a lot about my grandparents. Uh, you know, on on my mom's side of the family, my grandparents are Mexican immigrants. You wouldn't mm-hmm. know it by looking at me or by the last name Levin, but. Uh, you know, they came from Mexico at a pretty early age, and they actually came here to Los Angeles, and they started a small business renting jukeboxes, if you remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the Wurlitzer jukeboxes. Yeah, those things were awesome. Exactly right. I wish I still had one. Um, but my grandpa and his two brothers, they started Bringus Brothers Music Company uh, in downtown Los Angeles and raised five girls. My grandpa raised five girls with my grandma. All of them went to college. My grandparents never even went to high school. And then at age 50, my grandpa became a U.S. citizen. And it was probably the proudest day or one of the proudest days of his life. And he had a picture of JFK. I still remember very well, kind of one of the first images of my grandpa's in his office in downtown LA with that picture of John F. Kennedy behind his desk. And when he became a citizen and he you know, just lived the rest of his life as a patriotic American, for me, I really took those values of, you know, here's a guy that came from Mexico, built a family, built a, built a company, 
and was able to do pretty well for himself. Uh, and, and he really appreciated and respected people in the community of all different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was something that was really important to him. On the other side of the family, uh, my grandparents, Jewish, you know, Jewish heritage, Jewish immigrants, and my grandpa actually fought in World War II uh, in the Army Air Force. And when he came back from the war, you know, he had flown over the Pacific Rim. He had seen the devastation of nuclear war, didn't like to talk about it. Uh, but he and my grandma started a small business of their own, carpet, drapery, and upholstery business. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing there is that he couldn't use the last name Levin because of the anti-Semitism that was going on at the time. So when I see my, my two grandfathers and I think about what they went through, and I think about their tremendous patriotism, and then I look at Donald Trump, and I look at the anti-Mexican-American, anti-immigrant, uh, when I look at Steve Bannon, the anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. when I hear Steve King you know, from Iowa, and yeah. I hear him talk about how you know, we need a, a completely homogeneous society. And then I look in the mirror, and you know, I look at myself, and, and I look like your average you know, Caucasian you could, you guy. You can pass, dude. So I can, can pass, pass in Donald Trump's America, but the point is my family couldn't. I would mm-hmm. not even have a, a place, you know, because my family never could have had its story told in Donald Trump's America. And that's where I think we've really lost our way where I, I look at the values that made America great in the first place, and I think about my own uh, family's history, and I know that we have to get back to that. And, and that's really what inspired me to take personal action uh, and, and uh, you know, look, looking at my own kids, looking at, at uh, the type of values they're going to have when they grow up. Are they going to respect other people? Are they going to appreciate you know, folks for, for their uniqueness? Or are they going to be stuck in this bubble where everybody has to be and look and do the same, or you know, we're somehow less American. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really makes me viscerally angry when I uh, see and hear certain things that, that Trump and Bannon and, and the rest uh, say and do, uh, because I just know that it's undermining who we really are as, as Americans and what it means to be uh, you know, part of the greatest democracy on earth, where, where a story like my family's story or your family's story is possible. Yeah, no, we were, we're like a, we actually came to this country as illegal immigrants. Huh. So uh, I'm wow. Dutch and Native American and Jewish and Native American. I didn't know. Yeah, a little wow. bit of Osage. Wow. Um, but when we left Russia, uh, like 1890, we stole a passport from <laughs> a German passport from someone named Caney, and that was my grandfather's oh, name. Wow. He came over to the states, wow. and then he died, and my dad was four, and my grandmother remarried a guy named Clark. <laughs> so I'm technically not a Clark, even though I look like Whitey McWhite. <laughs> I'm, you know. But it's, it's that it's it is it's that it's that Kennedy era which they all looked at, especially Orange County, which yeah. was like the birthplace it's of right wing lunacy at the time and everything else. Yeah, but yeah. that people really believed in it to to ask not what your country can do for you, but you know what you can do for your country to look at the group, to look at everybody together, to be colorblind, to move forward based on our character, and and you know from my time in the army, I'm sure. It's like you can't just throw people away, right? And that's what we've done in our modern societies. We throw people away because they're not, you know, efficient enough, and that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, we well, weren't put on this earth to be efficient. Yeah, you know. No, it's it's uh, you know it's really interesting to see what's happened in Orange County. Having grown up there, uh, you know, I've seen a tremendous uh, shift from when I was uh, you know growing up to today, where. Uh, the last time a Democrat won Orange County for president was 1936 when Franklin Whoa. Roosevelt won. Um, but Hillary Clinton won by you know nine points. Mm-hmm. She won every uh, congressional district 
uh, in Orange County, uh, and all of them are now competitive. So that's one of the really unique things is that oh, wow. all of the congressional districts in Orange County are competitive, including Dana Rohrbacher, who's been there you know, way too long, I mm -hmm. think, like Daryl Issa. Uh, Mimi Walters, who's relatively new uh, there. Ed Royce, who's been there an awful long time. And then Issa himself, who's you know, the most vulnerable incumbent in the United States uh, House of Representatives, and for good reason. Because he, when, when uh, you look at his voting record, you look at his values and priorities, and you stack them up against an increasingly diverse... Uh, district, it, they just don't sync up. They just do not sync up. And, you know, Orange County went for uh, Hillary by nine. Uh, ICE's district went for Hillary by seven and a half. That's still and a lot, man. It really is. And, and the San Diego portion of the district went for Hillary overwhelmingly. And, and San Diego, as a, as a region, went for Hillary overwhelmingly. So, you know, I think there are still more Republicans than Democrats in the 49th Congressional District by about six points. Uh, but I like to think that most uh, are open-minded, and if you have a candidate that uh, actually speaks to the priorities and concerns of the district a little bit better uh, and isn't just a full-blown Trump supporter on every issue mm -hmm. without uh, being able to exercise independent thought. And I don't just mean rhetoric. I don't just mean claiming that you can exercise independent thought. I mean actually standing up and speaking truth to power and holding Trump to account just the same way you'd hold any president, Republican, Democrat, or independent to account if they're doing wrong. And mm -hmm. that's where I say is the massive hypocrite is he was so hell bent on holding Obama to account on every little thing, literally calling him again, the most corrupt president in our history. And now you have Trump who, you know, time will tell, history will be the judge, but may, may go down as the most corrupt president in history. We'll, well see. Let's talk about that corruption. Yeah. And let's say you get into Congress. Is there any way to initiate some kind of investigation or legislation so we can claw back all this money we've spent flying his family around and supporting yeah. <laughs> his business in Florida. I mean, you talk about it's, waste, it's, fraud, and abuse, I mean, so it's, you just it's, think about It's violating all the corruption, and we're, we are putting money in his pocket. Why can we get it back? I don't think we'll, we'll be able to get it back. Because it would be wonderful to impeach him and then be like, dude, now that you're impeached, you owe us like well, the, half a the emoluments dollars. clause either you know it, it either exists and needs to be applied or, or it doesn't exist. And you know, last I checked, it was there in the Constitution, and mm -hmm. you know it needs to be uh, brought up repeatedly. And we need to have you know sun, sunlight is the best antiseptic, and we need to keep calling them out. I think that the key to defeating Daryl Issa is exposing his hypocrisy every day for the next several hundred days, all the way up until next November's election. Perfect. And part of that exposure is exposing Donald Trump's hypocrisy. So here's a guy, you know, again, that is supposed to be reducing waste in government, draining the swamp, but he is living in the swamp. I mean, there's literally a swamp called Mar-a-Lago that he lives in more than he lives in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And, you know, every time that he goes there, what is it, three million bucks for him to spend the weekend in Mar-a-Lago? And it's not just Trump himself, it's all the different people in his cabinet, many of whom are billionaires themselves or extraordinarily wealthy themselves. And the amount of security and the amount of private, uh, you know, uh, uh, like Pruitt is a good example, where, where Pruitt now has 10 people just dedicated to, to Pruitt's security as the EPA administrator wow. round the clock. Betsy DeVos spends like a million dollars a month on private security. Now, or I should say on taxpayer-funded security. If there's a legitimate need uh, where if they're getting threats and things like that, I, I totally understand. But 10 full-time people? Don't you think maybe... You don't need all that security if you're not doing something wrong. Well, look, I mean, you take Pruitt 
and you take DeVos, you've got somebody in charge of environmental protection doesn't believe in environmental protection. You got somebody in charge of public education doesn't believe in public education. You got Ben Carson running HUD. Dude, I'll it, let that just literally hang out there. If I would have given people these cabinet choices four years ago and said these will be, nobody would believe it. Well, and unfortunate, the unfortunate reality is that ISA thinks that these are good appointments. You know, so he went on uh, CNN very recently and he said, you know, people in the district know that Trump is appointing the right people. Well, would he include Pruitt and DeVos and Carson on I'm that sure list? Sure, he would. Uh, when I look at Pruitt, I look at a guy who is just doing the bidding of the Koch brothers and the big oil companies. We, pr we continue to provide massive subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. And we continue to uh, gut a lot of the environmental protections uh, that keep our, our rivers and our, our beaches and, and our skies clean. Uh, under Donald Trump, we're taking a tremendous step backward in terms of our global leadership on climate. Uh, we're no longer going to be evidently participating in the, the Paris uh, uh, talks. Uh, and unfortunately, we went from a position of global leadership under Obama where we're beginning to make significant progress towards bending that curve in a, in a sustainable way. And now we're going right back to where we were, uh, perhaps worse than, uh, than before even the EPA was created. People forget that Richard Nixon created the EPA, and yeah. it was Nixon's administration that did the Clean Air Act. It shouldn't be a partisan thing. This is very, very basic. This is whether, number one, whether you believe in science. Hundreds of thousands of people went to the science march that believe in science. It's not just Democrats or progressives that believe in science. People I, should I gotta believe say, in science. Everybody who gets on an airplane and trusts that plane to get them from point A to point B believes in science, exactly whether they right. admit it or not. Exactly right. And you know, it's it's not just good enough to believe in science when it's convenient or when it supports your own policy priorities. You gotta believe in science, good, bad, or indifferent. It the facts are what they are. Mm -hmm. And we're not getting away from the fact that our climate is changing and man is having a tremendous amount to do with it and that carbon emissions are a significant societal problem that we have to address. All that is just fact. 97% plus of the scientific community knows it's the case. It's been peer-reviewed, documented, and the people that are trying to fight it are generally the ones who have money to make uh, to see it uh, delayed or, or uh, extinguished. And evil, they now run the Trump administration. Evil pays, man. Evil pays. Well, listen, we have to wrap it up. So how can people learn more about you, about your race? about what's happening in the district to help MikeLevin.org, yeah, MikeLevin.org is our website. Uh, I encourage everybody to go. We have all of our priorities listed, uh, you know, everything from single payer to uh, college affordability to, uh, you know, living wage. Uh, it's a strong progressive platform. We're, we're very proud to be, uh, you know, run a very strong progressive campaign in a district that's historically been a pretty conservative district, but where we think that if we're bold and if we continue to expose ISIS hypocrisy, uh, that we will ultimately prevail. Obviously, it's going to be a lower turnout election than it was in 2016. Uh, so we have to run a darn near perfect race, which is mm -hmm. why every dollar helps. And we're so proud of the fact that in the first month of our campaign, we had over 2,000 individual uh, contributions oh, from right all 50 states. When you compare it to ISA, over half of ISA's money is coming from big corporate PACs. So Which is amazing, again, because he's worth $750 million. Ah, but he's willing to take their money. You know, he's willing to look the other way on things like internet privacy. Uh, he's willing to look the other way on all the, uh, when, when big oil comes calling, he's willing to do whatever they tell him to do. The same with big healthcare companies. So this is a guy, again, he represents, in my mind, uh, some of the worst of the Republican Party, right? Whatever you think of the Republicans or the Democrats, Daryl Issa represents some of the, the outmoded thinking uh, that we need to do away with in Washington, D.C. So it's time for 
new progressive leadership in the district. And we all obviously we have to hold Trump to account as well, because Daryl Issa sure isn't the watchdog when it comes to Donald Trump. No, I'm with you. Well, listen, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank thanks for coming. I hope we have you back on when you're the congressman. I, hey, uh, I love it. Taking love his it. place. And I'll wrap up what you said. Really, Daryl Issa is a dick, okay? And he's basically comes up with policies that are going to impoverish our children and help destroy the planet. So help Mike get elected and get that dick out of office so we can get the big dick Trump out of office. Thanks for watching TYT interviews. You've left me speechless, Wes. I don't know. <laughs> If you like the interview that you just watched, I got great news for you. If you become a Young Turks member, you can watch them live as they happen. Only the members get that. You also get Young Turks live. You also get Aggressive Progressive live and Old School live. Everything is available for the members and commercial free. TYTnetwork.com slash join.